Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Yeah, as we welcome you along to the programme, hopefully each and every one of you survived a storm, uh, Barra. Now, we do know that schools early and early education centres like creches, etc., they have all remained closed. There's about 12 counties, I think, across the country where schools haven't uh, reopened. And today is the day now that the local authorities are certainly out very busy uh, this morning and business and homeowners uh, beginning to any clean up. I don't know how your particular area... And your business premises and uh, your house. Uh, is there a lot of cleanup uh, to be done? There's that great photograph. I saw the video clip, somebody put it up online, of a family in Bantry in West Cork with the trampoline went uh, flying. And it looks to me like the woman in the picture was straight out of the shower because it looks like she's got the towel wrapped around her head and she's in her pyjamas and her dressing gown and she's battling with somebody else trying to hold, trying to grab the trampoline. Oh, goodness me. And a a lot of the papers today are picking up on uh, photographs taken from uh, yesterday uh, and uh, the in the wake of uh, Storm Barra, but the clean-up very much uh, beginning uh, today. Just on the closure of the uh, schools, it was the Department of Education advised schools and the childcare facilities in orange or red weather warning areas to stay shut. Uh, for uh, today, another third, some third level colleges are also advised uh, to close. And there was there's about 12 counties uh, were still under the orange weather warning for yesterday. Uh, and I'm assuming are we still under the orange weather warning for today? Anyway, we here in Cork and our neighbours in Kerry and in Limerick and we've got Waterford and Clare and the whole of the West Coast. All of the schools are remaining uh, closed. Now, we've already had an email in and I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this because it is a red relatively calmish morning. There's a bit of a breeze, but I mean, I I drove, as I say, earlier this morning. No traffic on the road. It was great. And it was looking at the schools that I was passing. Now, I know they've got to be assessed today to make sure that there isn't any damage. But you would wonder, could some of the schools have reopened? I heard a principal from Dublin. He seemed to be very disappointed that they weren't open today because he said he had sent out a text message early well, early yesterday evening, around the six o'clock mark to say, yes, schools would reopen today. Then, of course, as the evening went on, Dublin went into an orange weather warning. I think it's about one o'clock in the morning, but they came out of the orange weather warning at seven o'clock this morning. So the Department of Ed said, no, the decision once they've gone into the orange, the schools have to close. So this principal at 10 o'clock last night had to resend out a text to parents to say, sorry, the schools are going to be closed tomorrow. And he couldn't really see the reason why there obviously had been no damage done uh, to the school. And he was also fearful of families that maybe went to bed early, who would have gone to bed thinking there was school and would only be getting up this morning. And if they didn't check text messages, 
there may have been some children turning up uh, for school this morning. Anyway, uh, uh, Craig has contacted Patricia at C103.ie to say, Hi Patricia, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that half of the schools in the country are closed today. Why is online teaching not a requirement rather than just an option for the virtuous few schools who will do it. Why aren't the schools been asked to make up the time over, over say the next two weekends and most galling of all why are the teachers getting full pay to sit at home and do nothing on these days off compare this with a lot of those working in the entertainment industry who've been on reduced pay now for almost two years but those in the public sector haven't been on reduced pay for even one day during the whole of the pandemic and that's from uh, Craig. Now I know there will be some, there obviously will be some teachers listening to us this morning because the schools are are closed. There will be teachers really annoyed when teachers hear emails like that. They say it's teacher bashing and teachers will say, I mean yesterday we had one mum to say two of her children were at home and they were correcting leaving cert and junior cert exam papers, test, you know, Christmas test tests, and that they'd been at it since eight o'clock yesterday morning and she reckoned they'd be at it all day. We certainly heard from some secondary schools that straight away reverted to online learning. Didn't hear of any online learning at primary school level yesterday. And the phone lines and the texts are open to see have any of the schools opted to do online learning because it was left as an option by the Department of Education. But Craig, very annoyed about it and saying if the schools did close for two days, why don't they make up the time? Now, I don't know about making them up over the next two weekends. That would be schools opening on uh, Saturdays because I think parents might get a bit annoyed about having to get up on a Saturday to get their children into to school. But with somebody else saying, why will those two days not be paid back later on in the year. For example, two days less on the very long summer holidays. Could the days not be paid back that way instead? Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. West Cork was, of course, the most affected area yesterday when it came to Storm Barra, certainly for the whole of the city and uh, county. And we had those uh, 28 homes and businesses uh, flooded in Bantry. And, of course, there was power outages throughout the particularly in West Cork. There was other parts of Cork uh, affected as well. And I don't know if I, there's about, I don't know if I, ESB networks are saying that the weather uh, conditions has made restoration efforts uh, difficult. Now they are working to get as many families back as possible. I know up to last night there was about 38,000 homes and businesses stay without power. Not all of them obviously here in uh, Cork and the ESB are hoping to, they were hoping to have everybody restored by the this morning but they had warned that some would remain without power until at least tomorrow and then Irish Water because we had reports in yesterday of people being without uh, water and the very latest on the water for the Newmarket area it says due to high turbidity levels in the water and I had to Google that word because I didn't know what I didn't even know uh, what it was let alone was I able to uh, pronounce it Turbidity Let me get that again 
Now you pronounce that again? Turbidity. Turbidity. Okay. So if you're in the new market area, there's high turbidity in your water. And turbidity means the quality is cloudy, opaque, or thick with suspended matter. Oh goodness me for the poor people of New Market. So because of the high turbidity levels in the water source, a boil water notice is in place for anybody supplied by the New Market water supply. That's New Market, Canturk, Wheeling, Kilbrin, Castle Magna, Tully Nice, Lismire, Knocknagree, Kissgame, Bally Desmond, Colin Borbwe, Drum Tariff and Derenagree. So if you are getting your water from there, there's a boil water notice and you need to have it's in place until Irish Water tell us differently. Okay, so uh, hold off on that one. And just also on water outages. Those in Glanmire are experiencing low water pressure and our outages uh, and uh, crews are working to assess the repairs there. And there's about a thousand people experiencing water outages in Richmond, Sallybrook, Glanmire Village and St Stephen Hospital and the surrounding areas. 1,500 customers in Downing Bridge are experiencing low pressure as well. And there's disruption to water supplies, Aries, Art Groom, Drina, Johnsbridge, Kilcrohan uh, and Widdy Island, Blarney Tower. And that's due to ESB uh, outages. So they're working on that and they're currently working, running on restoring the store currently running on storage that may result in outages as work progresses but Irish Water are on top of it am I going to this phone line I can see somebody flashing there on uh, line four this is Mary in uh, Mitchellstown good morning to you Mary good morning Patricia okay you're you're contacting us about traffic delays yeah the the motorway bridge in Fomoy is closed owing to the the, uh, the truck that turned over yesterday so the traffic is backed up as far on the Mitchellstown side back as far as Corbett Court which would be about three three and a half miles from Fomoy so I'm literally sitting at the, the roundabout I came over the old road I saw it so but I've been sitting here for about 20 minutes already at the roundabout just sitting here so it's pretty packed up yeah so anybody who needs to go to Cork find an alternative route Okay and are you heading to work or are you No I'm going up to get my booster shot in City Hall Oh okay alright well I hang... didn't want to cancel it uh, yeah, and you're dead right not to cancel it. Hang in there. Okay, so listen, thank you for that. But for anybody not who needs to, anyone needs to head to Cork, hold off. It's it's going to take a couple of hours, I think, to clear that. Yeah. All right, Mary, safe travels okay. and good luck with your All booster. Right. Thanks, uh, um, a million. 1850 uh, and, st- and that is as a result of Storm Barra, really, in many ways, because that truck turned over, which closed the motorway. And as soon as we hear the motorway has reopened, we will uh, let you know. And of course, Stormbower, the first of the major Atlantic uh, storms, violent gusts, and the ones that everybody was talking about uh, was the ones that were happening around the Fastnet uh, Lighthouse. And there was actually four men, as we speak, they're still there. They were carrying out maintenance work on the Fastnet uh, Lighthouse last Friday, and they were the ones who ended up very much having a front row seat of Stormbower and the wild, wild conditions. They're the Irish Lights Electronic Engineers. They're it's Paul Barron and his colleagues Ronnie O'Driscoll, David Purdy and Malcolm Giles. Now they were due to return from 
the Fastnet Rock yesterday, but obviously the helicopter flight had to be cancelled because of the weather. Now the lighthouse, it's 54 metres above the sea and they recorded gusts of 159 kilometres per hour early in the day. And Paul Barron said it was actually the safest place to be in the current weather conditions. And he said even though the tower did shudder a bit at times and they did some video footage and footage of the storm attracted considerable attention online. They even ended up getting a call from uh, Sky News and they are hoping now to be back on the mainland tomorrow. They're there for another day but they're hoping that the helicopter uh, will be back to collect them uh, tomorrow. Uh, They did say it is a good place to be in the eye of the storm. The lighthouse was built uh, 100 years ago so it's seen a lot of storms. And of course straight away when you realise oh God they got stranded out on the rock did they run out of food? But they didn't. They always prepare and they always bring extra supplies in case of emergency because they're making the point that even if it's a very, very fine summer's day, there can be a thick fog and the chopper simply won't be able to land. So they, they are they're a bit like Boy Scouts and Girl Guides. Uh, be prepared. <laughs> they're always there uh, when... Um, they always bring the extra provisions. Am I going to another phone line? Uh, I'm going to Anne in uh, Mallow. Um, uh, good morning to you, Anne. Um, I'm going to, if I press the button in my tab. Uh, good morning, Anne. I'm Trish. My name is Pam. Pam. Sorry, Pam. Good, mor- right. good morning to you. You're tra- I, taking umbrage to Greg giving out about the teachers. Oh, my goodness me. Has he got any common sense at all? What... Oh, does he realise how far some people are living away from the schools? The roads could be blocked this morning with trees, floods, anything. And he still wants the pupils to go in this morning. Uh, I, I can't see any common sense in that. And I After think they've been warned to stay at home. Okay. And we're still in a yellow warning. But I think his point is, if the schools have to close, and I think you're right, it was closed for that reason and for them to assess damage in the school. But his point is, why should the teachers be paid to sit at home? But the thing is, Trish, how far away are the pe- teachers living? You yeah, know, the yeah. thing is, we have to take everything into consideration. We have to look after the elderly, we have to look after the young. Yeah, but his point is, if they, they can't go to school because of this weather warning, they shouldn't be on full pay for it, or they should be made to pay back the days. No, listen, in this day and age, haven't we got enough of trouble in the country? Okay. Let's be fair about it. A day's money is nothing to the government today. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. So you don't see, you think they're right. Let them have their day off and enjoy Exactly. And, and, and enjoy it. tomorrow when it's safe. We don't know where streets are falling. We don't know where trees are after falling. Yeah. Yeah. Or where oh, there's yeah. flooding. And there is debris on the road. People do need there to be is. careful. All right, there Pam. Is. Thank Thanks, you for that. Trish. Have a good Bye. day. Getting a lot of texts in from people who are stuck in that uh, traffic that we spoke uh, about major delays heading into Vermoy, says one listener from the Moor Park roundabout. Traffic is at a standstill and a number of people texting to say motor, because the motorway of Moy is still closed, it is causing miles upon miles of tailbacks and that's the advice that we got earlier from Mary who's stuck in the traffic at the moment if you need to get to our in or out of Formoy need to head to Cork hold off because you certainly are going to be delayed and the school's been closed Morning Patricia I've just received an email from the school this morning with homework for both of my primary going uh, school children problem is they don't have any of their books with them so how are they meant to uh, do it that seems a bit bizarre that they'd sent out homework with the books not at home and then Connor is in Crookstown 
secondary school student. He said, it's great to be off school listening to your great show. Thank you for that, Connor. I'm glad I'm off from school, by the way, as the school is freezing at the moment and I feel safer at home. As far as I know, Crookstown has escaped the damage from Storm Barra. My secondary school is doing online classes, but my brother's secondary school are not online due to the department saying that online teaching isn't a requirement. Kind regards, uh, Connor in Crookstown. If you're doing online classes, you better get to those online classes, uh, Connor. And, and it is, it's an individual an individual choice. We heard that yesterday as well. Some schools were really great, including some schools who would, we heard from one, they had a full timetable throughout uh, the day, but it's optional. And we do know the department made that optional for schools where they wanted to do online or not. And it was defended certainly yesterday by the power outages in some areas and it would be unfair to start online classes that only some of the children would be able to pick up on and others would not if they didn't have power and, and I did accept that but they can't really use that as an excuse today for sure. 1850 John in Blackpool says totally agree with Pam about the school closures. My daughter is a special needs teacher. She does lots of work from uh, home and that's it. Some are doing lots of work from home but Craig is making the point that not all of them are doing lots of work from home and why are they getting uh, paid. Can I just pass on my deepest uh, sympathies to Marty Morrissey. We all love Marty Morrissey. So, so sad to hear about the death of his mother, Peggy. She was the sole occupant and driver of her of her own car, obviously. She was out driving in the very early hours of yesterday morning. I think it was about half past 12, obviously coming back from some kind of, a, of an event. And she's a woman, she was a woman in her 90s, but seemingly very independent and had a very active life. She was obviously out at something and driving home and the sole occupant of, a car, of the car and the accident happened uh, in near Milton Malbay, near close obviously to where she lived and she was pronounced dead at the scene and then a body taken to Limerick University where post-mortem is going to take place and poor old Marty Morrissey he is an only child and God help him his dad only died a few years ago and you can't help but feel sorry for him because you would often have heard him talk about his mum and the close bond that he had with his mother and of course Peggy Morrissey is a native of Mallow she was originally Peggy Toomey from uh, Mallow and there's an incredible story told about Peggy when herself and her husband Martin got married and they went to the States to live and when she became pregnant with Marty, it was back in 1958 she flew back to Ireland because she wanted her baby to be born at home here in uh, Mallow and Marty ended up being born in 1958 in Mount Alvernia Hospital in Mallow and then a month later with her babe in arms she returned to New York but back in those days in 1958 they didn't have big jumbo jets she flew back on a propeller plane it was a 17 hour flight to New York with a one month old baby little Marty in her arms isn't that just an unreal story so uh, my deepest deepest sympathies to uh, Marty and to the rest of the Morrissey uh, family and may his beautiful wonderful mother Peggy Morrissey knee to me from Mallow may she rest in peace 
Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, as we discussed and heard yesterday on the programme, some 28 premises in Bantry suffered partial flooding. Uh, yesterday morning, a storm barra made landfall just before high tide. Cork, southwest Fianna Fáil, Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan has called for the Bantry Flood Relief Scheme to be expedited and along with Social Democrats uh, West Cork Deputy Holly Kearns raised this issue with the Minister for Public Expenditure this morning and Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan joins me. Good morning to you Christopher. Good morning Patricia. Now firstly just soul destroying for the owners of those premises to be flooded again yesterday wasn't it? Yeah and no, I'm absolutely gutted for them um, to have to go through this again. Uh, this is the fourth or fifth occasion within a period of 16 months that's quite a short period to experience a flooding event on four occasions for many of the properties, particularly in around the square in Bantry. Um, some um, experienced flooding of up to 100 millimetres. Uh, and it's, again, it, what it's highlighted is that Bantry town is now the most frequently flooded town in in Ireland. Uh, and it underlines the importance of expediting uh, and streamlining the flood scheme. But my, my heart goes out to them. And I, I just want to sp- pay a special mention as well. And I think... The people in the town would um, uh, join with me in this in commending the emergency services, the fire services, the Cork County Council staff. And I want to pay a particular mention to Ruth O'Brien, who's the area engineer there. Uh, they were up since 5 a.m. this morning, essentially trying to battle back the North Atlantic Ocean, which was surging in um, over the town. Uh, and they did their best. And without their intervention, it's believed that a lot, a lot of the flooding would, yeah. would have been worse. But at the same time, they were fighting a losing battle because, as you can imagine, trying to, when, any time you know that there's a southerly wind or there is a, um, a any type of high tide combined with the southerly wind, then Bantry is going to flood. Uh, and it's, re- I, you know, the stress, the strain, the anxiety that must be there amongst the business owners, amongst the residents and property owners who are impacted by this. I can't even put myself in their shoes. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, just, it's knowing there is absolutely nothing they can do. You know, and as you say, four floods in the last 16 months. I mean, when is enough enough? Uh, exactly, uh, and and at the stage we are now in the flood scheme process, we're we're definitely a couple of years behind where we should be. Um, Minister Michael McGrath and Minister Patrick O'Donovan uh, both visited Bantry back in August 2020. You remember then mm. that there was unprecedented amount of flooding in the town. It wasn't just tidal; there was also fluvial flooding. They visited the town. They visited the. Um, business owners, they visited the residents who were impacted. I think the businesses and residents really appreciated that. On the back of that visit, we had the announcement of a 6.7 million euro flood scheme, which is great news. We were told the tender process would start for that flood scheme. That tender process has uh, commenced probably months later than it should have. But the really frustrating point is now is that we've been waiting far too long for a design team to be uh, appointed. So last September, for example, uh, I asked the question of Minister O'Donovan uh, when a design team would be appointed to design the flood scheme um, and the answer was within a few weeks. We're now in December uh, and although Cork County Council has recommended um, a preferred design team, that design team still hasn't been appointed. So my re- what I wanted to stress today in the Dáil Chamber, along in fairness with, with, with Deputy Holly Cairns, we stressed that you know the importance of getting this up and running because we still have to go through a public, a des- like the actual design of the of the um, 
uh, scheme, we have to go through a public consultation phase because this has to be done in consultation with the people of Bantry and the businesses. So, you know, that's going to take months and months and months and, and we really, we need to expedite it. We need to streamline it because in the end of the day, you know, Bandon has its flood relief scheme, Clannacilty has its flood relief scheme, Skibbereen has its flood relief scheme. You know, for the first time in a, in a while, the people of Clannacilty were able to kind of sleep at ease at night knowing that there, there was a very, very, very small chance of their town flooding and, and it didn't happen. Um, and the people of Bantry deserved that uh, similar type of assurance. And have you any understanding of why this tender process for the design team, why it's taking so long? Um, look, I think genuinely, I think it's just getting caught up in, in bureaucracy. Um, it's like many things, uh, Patricia, that we discuss uh, on your show when it comes to projects, um, construction works, road road projects, infrastructural works, um, it, it tends to take an age. Now, we get there eventually, um, but for the people of Bantry, um, it, it, it can't come soon enough. Um, so I don't know why. I mean, it, it seems pretty simple to me. And I must say, no, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a flood engineer, uh, and I'm not an expert on this, but once the... Uh, the preferred design team was identified by Cork County Council and in fairness, Cork County Council then had done their bit, then I don't see why the OPW couldn't just ratify that and get the ball rolling. And at least if people knew that there was a design being done, they would they could put a better timeline on, on when we could see a scheme delivered. Look, the, in fairness, it was Minister Mary Butter who took um, our topical issue this morning. Minister Donovan was held up in Limerick because of the storm and because of power outages. But uh, I'm, I'm satisfied with the response in terms that they realised the importance. Okay, what of did she say? Expediting that, um, you know, essentially, and 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 this is the pretty similar to a response I got back in September that they expect the design team to be appointed within a matter of weeks. Um, that got a bit of a chuckle in the chamber, as you can imagine, because I, that's exactly what I had been told back in September. But I genuinely believe no, you know, hearing. Um, what business owners and what property owners are going through in Bantry, that um, the message is is being received loud, loud and clear that this uh, needs to be delivered and appointed straight away. I think an important thing that she point, an important point that she pointed out in her response, um, which you know she was well briefed on the situation in Bantry. In fairness, uh, from Minister Donovan and Minister McGrath, is that their uh, Cork, Cork County Council has been approved for what they call minor flood mitigation works. Um, at, that's to the tune of about one hundred and forty thousand. That's to install um, non-return valves uh, in the town, which should, again, what was happening yesterday is, as well as the surge coming in over the seawall, a lot of the surge caused um, water to come up through manholes and come up through through the culverts that were there. The non-return valves should minimise that, but at the same time, when you are experiencing the 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 um, power and magnitude of the sea surges that were experienced yesterday. Even non-return valves aren't going to do that, but it is encouraging to know that there is interim works taking place. And Cork County Council, in fact, uh, hats off to them. They they have uh, put in place interim measures, which, again, if they weren't in place, it's believed that the flooding yesterday would, would have been, been even uh, worse. a lot worse. All right. OK. And, uh, and once again, our hearts go out uh, to those 28 businesses and uh, homeowners who are today, of course, uh, attempting to clean up the mess. All right. Listen, Christopher, thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. Uh, that is uh, Christopher O'Sullivan uh, joining us from the Dáil. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. 
Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, as in from yesterday, the maximum capacity for indoor entertainment, cultural, community and sporting events was set at 50% in a bid by the government to curb the spread of COVID-19 ahead of the festive season. So, how will the new restrictions affect the pantomime? Well, joining me, the CEO at the Everyman, Sean Kelly. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. You open with Aladdin tonight. Are you very much saying the show must go on? Um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's what we've been saying all along. We've sort of we're we're we've been fighting our way through this thing since March 2020, and we're ready to keep going now. Um, and the public have been really good with us, and we had limited our capacity, I suppose, from the start for this plan to anyway, so we're not in quite as bad a position as as we might have been had that not been the case. Yeah, so you, you hadn't sold 100% of tickets for every performance? Um, no, we hadn't. So our original plan was maybe to sell up to about 60% because 60% was the old, was the limit that had been placed on everybody in September, and then maybe to build on that as, as the run went on. Now, that's not going to happen but we're so there's only luckily a very small number of customers are affected and they've been really great about it and our box office team has been brilliant working through the weekend working late evenings to contact everybody so we feel we're pretty set now for well done done. and do you very much believe that the everyman is a safe and a controlled environment um yeah i mean again we've been working on getting this right for quite a long time now so for several months right throughout the summer and we opened to a capacity of just 50 initially in September to make sure that everything was working properly and that we could handle larger capacities and build that up then week by week. Um, so, yeah, we're really happy with where, with where we are. There'll be, obviously, everybody will be checked for vaccine certs at, at the door and a corresponding ID to go with that. Um, everybody will be queued. There'll be masks throughout the building. And so we're we're really happy that we'll have people have a very safe but also a very enjoyable experience yeah. because fun and, and Christmas is what it's all about Yeah and, and I know when I was speaking with um, Sophie your artistic uh, director a couple of weeks ago about the pantomime she was saying that there's no interval so you don't have people walking around um, Yeah exactly normally the, the panto would be a slightly longer show with an interval so everybody, once you get to your seat now there won't be there won't be any mixing in the foyer so we'll be able to sort of control people's entrance and exits and make sure that nobody's walking across anybody else's path and all the all the usual stuff and yeah. all the things that people would want well to make sure they're safe. So the show would be about 85 minutes long. Okay, and, uh, and credit you to the everyone because I know when, at the everyone when you opened in uh, September we had people contacting us who went to some of your various shows and who said how safe they felt which was, was terrific and I think Sean there is a sense isn't there that we need Panto this year more than ever um, Yeah absolutely I mean my two boys are really disappointed that they couldn't go to the Panto last year Yeah, and you know just the theatre sector in, in general and entertainment sector really it, um, it provides so much employment for so many actors, performers, creatives, um, as well as being something that I think the public really wants and the children especially, you know, it's such a key part of Christmas for so many people in Cork and, and all around. Okay, are there, somebody wants to know, are there tickets still available for Aladdin? Um, yes, they are. Um, not for tonight, of course. There are, um, there are plenty of performances that still have tickets available. 
So um, you can get them through our website or just by dropping into the Everyman or calling to our box office. But there is, there is plenty of tickets and we'll be able to look after everybody. OK, you open tonight, December 8th, and you run through until the 15th, isn't it, of January? Um, that's right, yeah. The, fi- the, 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 the 15th, OK. And uh, all systems go for tonight, I take it, the full dress rehearsals have happened and all of that? And uh, yeah, exactly. We had a slight spanner in the works with the storm yesterday, which uh, interrupted things. But yeah, we we had to find step around that also. But yeah, absolutely everything. Um, everybody's been rehearsing around the clock and getting everything right. It's going to be, it's going to be a really spectacular show, and it's uh, just about ready to go now. Have you watched some of the rehearsals? Um, yeah, and um, it's it's amazing, and just to see a live band um, performing and. Um, actors on a stage and getting ready again for for a proper panto is has been a really moving experience for everybody. Ah, that's terrific to hear. That's terrific, and it is. It's what Christmas is. I mean, I think I think particularly for us here in Cork, pantomime is so much a part of our tradition. Yeah, um, it is, and um, everybody is is really excited about it. You know, it's something our customers have been asking us all year. Is it going to be a panto? Um, and have been phoning for for months about it because we were later than we would have liked to be with the announcement because we had to, to see what the situation was before we could commit to it. Um, but our our director and cast and creative team have been fantastic in getting the show together in probably less time than they would normally have had. Okay, listen, we wish you the very very best of luck with this year's panto uh, season, Sean. And thanks a million for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Sean Kelly there, CEO of the Everyman Theatre in advance of Aladdin. That is their production, which opens uh, tonight. And it's tomorrow night, isn't it, that the people who won tickets here on the programme last Friday for our free Panto Friday will be going along. So enjoy. There's something very, very special about uh, pantomime. Now, a listener was on to us to say... Uh, where's that text gone? Oh, hi, this is Noreen. Hi, Noreen. Saying, uh, Patricia, could you tell me, please, how do you report a fallen phone cable? Because there's a fallen phone cable right outside my house. I rang the 1901 number and I pressed all of the buttons, I listened to all of the music and I on- only ended up frustrated and ready to go out and knock the pole up myself. Thanks a million. I said, Noreen, I'm sensing your frustration there, Noreen. And we've been constantly, you know, saying to people, if you come across something like that, you report. I know if it was the ESB, we were, had the ESB networks on yesterday. That's something really important because those wires uh, can and in many cases are live. But to phone a reported phone line down, I've got a 1800 number for you, knowing that it's probably your better option. 1800 24 52 5245 if you ring that number instead hopefully there'll be somebody at the end of that number will take your call and that you won't end up pressing all these buttons and listening to music and getting frustrated and then attempting to go out and knock the pole uh, down at your staff stay safe Noreen and thank you for contacting us You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed We've been reporting here on C103 since yesterday. Diversions are in place on the M8 and that was due to an overturned HGV yesterday during the height of Storm Barra and this morning we are getting inundated with people who are stuck in that traffic uh, come, calling us and texting us. The latest in from Dave say, morning Patricia, I am one hour now stuck on the motorway traffic and for Moy we haven't moved a hundred metres 
meters in that hour. Where is the emergency plan? Says a very frustrated Dave. So Sergeant John Kelly, based at from Moyguard, the station, joins me with the latest. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Now, John, firstly, it is the junction. It's between junction 13 and 15 when the, where this truck overturned. The problem is this morning, I believe you're waiting on a crane to arrive, is it? That's correct, Patricia. I think it's, if it hasn't actually arrived, it's, it's on the way and uh, they'll, they'll be working on that in the next while. But coming back to your caller there, unfortunately, it's back to the past. And the past was literally that there was a guard at the, in the square in Fermoy and literally um, <clears throat> at peak times in order to keep the traffic moving was directing traffic. Now, unfortunately, for my town at that time, you know, 20 years ago, it was a bottleneck. And when you put that amount of traffic through a small town square, it becomes a bottleneck again. And there's no, no easy way of doing it. There's only so much traffic uh, ca- can get through that way. You know, um, looking up the hill, there's quite a lot of HGVs in both directions heading in. And it's the traffic can't be cleared any any faster that has been cleared. If anybody is familiar, or um, local traffic in particular, today now coming in to Fermoy, I diverted in Rathcormac, I went through Castle Lines and went down the, the back way into the town. And obviously, local traffic have the ability of uh, knowing the local ro- routes and are able to divert in that, that way. But if you're coming in the Dublin Road from both directions, and if you're being diverted off, unfortunately, coming through the town, there's no easy way of doing it. Yeah, because we had a listener on earlier who got caught in the middle of it. She's heading up to the city for her booster uh, jab. And she was saying to people, you know, certain people from North Cork travelling into the city, uh, if you didn't have to make the journey, hold off until, I would, until later on. I think that's very good advice, Patricia. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not a necessary journey, uh, you know, and if you wouldn't be normally coming the motorway, well, uh, if you're fairly local traffic, you'll, you know, go back to the old ways of avoiding from all you possibly. You okay, know? all right. But if they are, there are guardian on the scene and you're doing Absolutely. your best to, to, to keep the traffic yeah. moving. Okay. Yeah, oh. there's nothing more can be done than has been done. At yeah, the yeah. Part, it just, just you know? shows how important that motorway is to us. Okay, Absolutely, listen, couldn't agree. Listen, and hopefully that crane will arrive soon. And once the truck gets removed, the motorway will reopen then. That's correct, Patricia. Okay. They're working hard to, to get that done as soon as possible. Okay, listen, stay safe, John. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks uh, for joining us and to anybody stuck in the traffic. Our sympathies are, are with you. We'll try and keep you as entertained and up to date as we can here on C103. You just really have to have a little bit of patience. Now, some of our texts coming into us. Uh, somebody says, Patricia, I feel really sorry for people today who are living in the modern homes, the modern homes that have been built without chimneys. I was so glad to have an open fire last night when our power went out. The ESB by the way are brilliant to work in such bad weather but some people will have to wait a little bit longer and if they're living in one of these modern homes without a chimney they'll be waiting a little bit longer without heat as well I really appreciated the fire last night says uh, this uh, listener and I think a lot of people will agree with you uh, on that people who don't traditionally light a fire suddenly the heating was gone because the electricity was gone and uh, scrambling around to get some coal and 
logs and briquettes and fire lighters and light and there's nothing like a toasty warm fire and if the lights are gone out and you're by candlelight it almost sounds a little bit romantic. Uh, thank you for your uh, text. Catherine, and I'm assuming Catherine is picking up um, the criticism that came in earlier from Craig by email who was saying about teachers being off again today and how they're getting fully paid and he feels there's something wrong in that that they should be made to pay back these days off that they get due to extreme weather conditions tying in with the fact that many of the schools were closed during the pandemic and even though teachers will say we were doing online learning the online learning today is an individual choice for each school some schools are doing it some schools are not and the schools that are not teachers will still get paid and that was Craig's point why are they still on full pay Catherine says what about the postmen and post women Catherine said my poor husband is a postman what would people say if for a second day they weren't getting posts there was no post yesterday but the post is back up and running today. It's about time that people just gave up complaining and got on with it. Would you say a big shout out to all of the post people who are doing a great job every day says Catherine and by God they are and they're coming into I would I don't know I'm probably wrong in saying they're coming into their busiest time because if you chat with anyone who has is is a post person since the pandemic began they have literally been flat out I remember speaking with our own lovely friendly postman who comes here to the radio station and I meet meet him uh, most mornings and there was times back during the pandemic when so many people were relying on the postal uh, service when they were as busy as they would be in the lead up to Christmas so they've all of the busyness of people shopping online now more than ever and then you tie in that the festive season and the posting of Christmas cards so do get your Christmas cards in as early as you can to try to take some pressure off the postmen and women. So we do, we salute the postmen and women who are back out uh, today. And somebody else who's delighted that the schools are closed uh, says, Patricia, the children and the teachers are perished with the windows open to fight the virus. It's good for them that they're getting two days off, that they can be at home in the comfort of their own homes and keeping a little bit warm today, says a texter. Heidi is WhatsApping us about Bantry when we spoke about with Christa O'Sullivan who was saying look we really need to speed up the work for the Bantry flood relief we've been talking about it for so long and yet here we are again yesterday another flood event in the town Uh, Patricia this just has to happen says Heidi Bantry again flooding goes to show that the government in Dublin they seem to just care about what happens in and around Dublin and that's everything from transport to uh, roads and look at us with flooding here We we here in West seem to have to put up with this treatment by our government over and over again. It was really good to hear uh, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan speaking out on your show today and speaking out on behalf of the people of Bantry. We can all look back to the battles we have had over Bantry General Hospital and then all of our roads down here. The list just goes on and on. Good luck to the town of Bantry. I really do hope that they get sorted soon. That is from Heidi. Thank you for that Heidi. And then thank you to a number of people who were standing in when I mentioned earlier about um, Marty Morrissey and poor old Mar- Marty Morrissey today coping with the loss of his gorgeous mother who tragically died in a car accident late on Monday night. Lots of people just wanting to say how sorry they were to hear of that news for Marty and I think as well the fact that he's an only child. I don't know what it is when an only child loses their final parents. There's just something even more 
lonelier about it or something. I mean, the death of a parent at any time. I'm always, whenever I have a fr- a, fam- a friend who loses a much-loved parent, I'm always saying to them, there is never a right time to say goodbye to a much-loved mother or father, no matter what age they are. I mean, Marty's mother was seemingly well into her 90s. And no matter what age they are, you know, they, they can be winning, they can be over 100. There's just never, there's never the right time to say goodbye and to lose a much-loved uh, parent. It is, it is absolutely heartbreaking. And then having lost his father a number of years ago and now to lose his mother, the fact that he's an only child, you know, if there's a bigger family there, you, you'd like to think you can rely on each other and you can lean on the other siblings and you all have such shared memories about a much-loved parent when there's other siblings but when it's an only child I don't know whether it's just me I do always I always just feel there seems to be an extra bit of heartbreak added into it but a lot of people just wanting to send on their deepest deepest sympathies to uh, Marty Whelan and Anne says Patricia I have nothing to do with teachers but I can't understand why people seem to start bashing teachers all of the time they are entitled to their pay and the homeschooling is not okay either because of the bad internet service so the homeschooling will suit some some people, but it does not suit uh, everyone. So it isn't right to say that teachers should be without their pay. Pam, who came on to the programme in defence of teachers, the girls in Drumahan says Pam is right in what she is saying. The children are safer at home at the moment anyway. And they're better off being left at home. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls and Pat in Buttervent is looking for a bit of help. This is to do with an oil lamp. Pat says we have an old oil lamp, the ones with the wick. There's a globe around the wick and then a tall glass globe and then the wick. But the problem now is the wick is nearly gone. And Pat says, where can you buy a wick? And I'm assuming when the lights go out, that's the only time that Pam is lighting the old oil lamp. Now, people of a certain generation will remember growing up using those oil lamps before rural electrification uh, happened. And some people maybe have held on to them. I haven't. And I know the ones I've seen them. You see them as decorative pieces, Pam or Pat. I don't know if I've seen many people actually using them, but Pat needs to get the wick because the wick has started to go. Does anybody know where Pat in Buttermint can buy a wick for her old oil lamp? 1850-333-103. And a listener was on to say there is a tree about to fall down. It's been propped up by another tree at the moment and it's on the Inchwell Road in Canturk. And this system was on to say motorists need to drive with extreme care because when the motorist was on to us, they reckon that tree could fall at any stage because it's been propped up by another tree. Now, I am hoping and assuming that somebody locally have contacted the council to let the council know because we were saying that yesterday as well when the council weren't out because there was a red alert warning but the council were very much saying to people let us know and if it's a particularly dangerous situation they'll get a crew out there as soon as possible so hopefully somebody in the Canturk area has alerted the council to exactly where that tree is but if you're on the Inchwell Road in Canturk please drive with extreme care until that tree gets sorted out 1850 333 103 listener says please Patricia tell people they just have to have patience this is for the people who are stuck on the the motorway other people and all of the emergency services are doing their best to clear up after the storm time for everybody just to take a deep breath 
and relax. C103 Jobs. A driver slash helper is required by Country Clean. Brian is your contact at 86 3821538R. You can send an email to brian at countryclean.ie. St. Gubnet's Nursing Home there in Ballyagran in County Limerick. They've got a vacancy for a healthcare assistant. Email your CV to saint.gubnets at gmail.com or you can post your CV to Maura O'Sullivan, the Director of Nursing at St. Gubnet's Nursing Home in Ballyagran. And sheet metal workers, duct insulators and shuttering carpenters and steel fixers are all required for work in the Cork area. You email CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. And the Irish Wheelchair Association, they still have vacancies for programme assistant drivers in Clonakilty and in Mallow. You apply through their website, which is www.iwa.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And don't forget, we have Christmas covered here on uh, C103. We are giving away super value gift cards. They are worth €5,000 in total. Every day we have a winner winning €500 worth of super value gift cards uh, you listen at 9 at 2 and at 5 you're counting the Christmas bells Ken play them at 9 o'clock this morning 2 o'clock this afternoon Nick will play them 5 o'clock this afternoon Martina will play them you add up all of the bells that you heard today and then at some point after 5 Martina will tell you when to text or to what's app with the total amount for your chance to uh, win a 500 euro voucher from Super Value and we will take a listen later on to yesterday's winner and who won that 500 euro worth of Super Value cards. Now the very talented young tenor from Mitchellstown Eamon Walsh who first sang for us on this programme as a young boy soprano is back home on Cork soil following a successful run with the Irish National Opera at the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin to chat ahead of two concerts in St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. I'm delighted to say young Eamon Walsh joins me. Good morning to you Eamon. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. And I actually had to check back because the old memory isn't great. It was actually 10 years ago since you first came to the studio to talk to us. Are you serious? Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. And you, you graduated. Was it this year you graduated in Menuth? Yes, I graduated this June was like my, fa- my final month um, and then graduated in September. So... Um, and then straight into Fidelio uh, with the Irish National Opera. So it was great to go to get straight back, straight into work, like, you know. So you literally graduated from Maynooth and then obviously there was an audition process, was there? Yes, yes. So I graduated, as I said, in June and then the auditions came up for the course in our Irish National Opera. Um, I just saw it online and I said I'd go for it and uh, travelled up to Dublin um, in the middle of June and did the audition and then they got back to me then after... A few weeks, it was great news. So. And I'm telling you, and I, I'm assuming that I'm right in saying it isn't often that somebody goes straight from college straight into... Uh, yeah, not, not, not particularly. I, I, 
it's it's weird to say I was the youngest in the chorus, which is okay. is madness. It was very daunting, but um, you know, it's it's a big honor as well to say that I was the youngest too. You know, so. Um, and what was the production? It was Fidelio. It's Beethoven's only opera. So, okay. Um, and it was um, the Irish National Opera's kind of first big gig back since since COVID started. So, um, it was a it was a big. A big deal, I big think. Big production, for, big production. Yeah, was yeah. it was it an opera you were familiar with? It was because of the course I did. I ended up having to, you know, to study opera anyway. So luckily, I was familiar with the opera, and you know, I I, I knew, you know, I knew what I was walking into. Well done, well done. Uh, is there a perception though that opera can be very highbrow, uh, Eamon, and yeah. is really something? Oh, that's only for the upper classes. Like, what would I be doing at the opera? <laughs> I mean, I use my dad as a great example. My dad is a huge fan of Derek FM and he loves classical music, but he can't read music for for the life of him. Like you know, it is so. I mean, it's for everybody. It's it's not just for people who have studied it for years and years. I mean, yes, in order to be able to perform it to a high standard, that's what you have to do. But to listen to it and enjoy it, you don't have to. You know. Mm. Will you get more work with the National Opera Company? Do you think? I, I'd like to. I hope so. Anyway, I mean, I think I I got on very well with everybody there, and it was a fantastic experience. And um, so their next uh, opera is Carmen, the Dave Carmen. Yeah. And that begins in February, so all going well, and I suppose all going well with restrictions and stuff. Um, I'll be back up in Dublin in February, so. And the it was the Gaiety Theatre, wasn't it? That it you, was. That's a lovely theatre as well oh, to perform in. Unbelievable! I'd never actually been at all, not even for a show. So my first time in the Gaiety Theatre was actually on oh, the stage. Way to go! That's our Raymond. Way way to go! So, what are the other career choices now? Are, are, what are you thinking about? I mean, I obviously my course was a bachelor's degree in music, and I'd love to do a master's. Um, maybe um, abroad. I can speak German, so I think I'd like to, to make use of that while it's still in my head. And I mean, the, the opera scene in Germany is also incredible. So I think maybe maybe in September time, um, I'd like to go to go abroad and consider doing a master's. So okay. And do you, do you sing in many different languages? I do. Yeah, I, I sing in German. I sing obviously sing in English, but um, I suppose a lot of the, the stuff I do um, in churches is, is in Latin. It's in Italian. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't speak Italian. I don't speak Latin, but I, yeah. I can sing in it. You know. Okay. And uh, was the German done in school? The German was done in school, and then I did it in college, like as a minor subject with my my degree in music. Okay. Well, well. done. Well done. Smart move. That is uh, <laughs> a smart move. Now you've got two concerts coming up in Mitchellstown. Tell me about yes. those. I do. I'm back in St. George's. Um, it's an incredible venue. I sang there. I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't been a, a venue for the arts that long. Um, I mean, maybe only a few years. So obviously they're, they're constantly doing work to improve it. Um, and throughout the last few years, I've been doing, you know, small concerts and stuff there. Um, and yeah, so now that it's kind of, they really have it to a really high standard. And I'm really excited to be doing two two shows on the 17th and the 18th. Okay, and obviously I was chatting earlier with the Everyman about the pantomime and mm. the, the 50% restriction came in. Oh. Uh, is that going to affect your, your numbers at St. George's? Um, it's, been a, it's been a hectic few days trying to sort it all out, but luckily I was working with 75% capacity anyway. Okay. So um, if I can manage to get, like, I mean, technically now it's, it's sold out. 
So if I can get a few people to switch from the Saturday to the Friday, that's the goal. If I can just get 10 or 20 people to switch to the Friday, then we'll be at 50% capacity for both nights and we'll be fine. Okay, your family members are going to start getting calls from you, some of the relatives <laughs> going, you can't come Friday, will you go Saturday and get Saturday instead? And who yeah. will you be, will you be joined uh, in the concert? I will, yes. Um, I have a few special guests. My sister, um, who sang at the last one a few years ago, she'll be joining me again. And obviously it's great to, to be able to have her on board. She's a fantastic singer as well. She just needs that bit of confidence, you know. So, you know, the more I can get her on stage with me, the better. Um, she's fantastic. And then I have Ali Price, who's an incredible violinist. Um, I have Linda Walsh, she's another singer. She's from, from the local area. She's from Anglesboro. Brilliant. And she actually works with me in the Town Coffee Company in Mitchell Sound. We're both baristas there, so <laughs> we're kind of practicing away while there's no one inside in the cafe. It's great. Do you sing while you're making the coffee? Oh, God. <laughs> there's actually a lady called Mary Denny, who's a great friend of mine, who comes into the cafe and she, she calls me inside nearly every day. She said, Eamon, you need to start recording yourself singing inside in the cafe. Yeah. You'd go viral, like Mary. Uh, and you know something? I think if you were guaranteeing people, I'll sing you a song as I'm making <laughs> your coffee. It's a sales pitch. It's. I mean, it's it's a niche, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and what what what's what, what can people expect on the night? What are you um, planning on performing? I mean, first and foremost, I'll be performing things that I that I enjoy. I okay. mean, I think that translates very well when an artist and a singer is, is, is performing pieces that they enjoy. So, I mean, I'll be doing some classical uh, pieces. I'll be doing some Christmas carols, ah. uh, one or two folk songs, one or two pop songs. Brilliant. A bit, a bit of everything. Brilliant, brilliant. According to a report, many people using health and social care services in Ireland, including public hospitals, community services and nursing homes, say they have dealt with traumatising experiences due to the restrictions and the disruptions caused by COVID-19. To discuss the reports from the Patient Advocacy Service and the National Advocacy Service for People with Disabilities, I'm joined by Louise Lachlan. Good morning to you, Louise. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. Was communication between the patient's family and the hospital or, or nursing home, was that a big bone of contention for many people? Yeah, I think what our um, reports demonstrate is that there was a huge issue with communication between um, both uh, different types of settings, including acute hospitals and nursing homes and family members. Um, I think if we cast our minds back, and, and I know there are obviously still some restrictions in place at the moment as well, that people were not able to access those locations to visit their family members in the way that one would normally expect either to visit a hospital or a nursing home. And therefore, family members were contacting services by phone. And often they find that those phone calls were not um, responded to, either the phone wasn't answered or that um, they were put on hold for a long period of time, or when they did manage to speak to someone, that they got very limited information. Um, And oftentimes what we also found was that people only found out about an outbreak of COVID um, quite late on after the outbreak had been confirmed and also were unaware as to whether or not their loved one had been confirmed as a positive case or not. Yeah, and that was something certainly we would have heard from uh, listeners as well, that they wanted to know if their yeah. loved one had, had contracted COVID-19. That's right, that's right, yeah. And w- what about then the level of infection control while in the hospital, from the patients themselves? Was there, was there some people unhappy with that? 
We find a mixed um, bag. I think it's important to note that many people had really positive experiences and um, also that I think it's also important to acknowledge the hard work and effort that all health and social care staff and frontline workers have put in over the last you know, nearly two years at this stage. But I do think it's important to reflect upon some of the less positive experiences um, that some families and, and people in services themselves found that infection control maybe wasn't all that they would have liked to have been. Um, a particular theme that came out for us was in the situation of people receiving carers into their home for home support care. They often found that they were being left to dispose of PPE equipment such as masks and disposable gloves after the carers had left. And obviously that wouldn't really be an appropriate way of dealing with things. So there was examples like that that I think um, one of the reasons why we wanted to publish the reports was to highlight maybe things that hadn't worked so well so that as we continue to figure out how we get through this situation with COVID, that improvements um, can be made and the kind of learning is taken from those. Yeah, because as you say, it hasn't gone away where we're still still very much in in the middle of it. We're still in the middle of it and we don't really know how things are going to play out over the next period. So I think it is important and timely to kind of go, well, what worked well and what would we, you know, if we we were to go back to the beginning again, what would we do differently? And that's really what we wanted to draw out um, from the report. You mentioned home care packages. Did anybody talk to you about affected by cuts to home care packages? That didn't really come out in these reports so much. I think what we did find um, was that the access to home care um, is patchy at best anyway in normal times and that accessing it um, really depends on what's available in your local area in terms of if it's provided by the HSE or not. Um, It's not a situation where there's an automatic right to either a home support or personal assistance package and it often depends on what's available in the budget for the local area. Um, What was also reported to us uh, by people who depend on those services is that the initial outbreak of COVID-19, many of those services stopped because um, there were many staff absent um, due to having contracted COVID themselves and there was lots of issues um, around ensuring that services continue to be delivered. So those were the issues that came out for us in these reports. Yeah, and some listeners would have contacted us to say in the early days of the pandemic when there really was a sense of panic out there about this uh, virus and they would have cancelled home care workers coming in because they were fearful of anybody coming in, you know, looking after a very, Mm. you know, vulnerable member of the family. And then as things started to ease, some of them had difficulty getting back those home care packages again? Yeah, we, that would be our experience as well. Many of the people reported to uh, us those same, similar things that they themselves would have made a decision to say, actually, we don't particularly feel safe having people coming into the house at the moment um, at the very early stages. And then when it was a bit clearer um, and once the vaccinations and everything rolled out, that they struggled to get those hours returned to them and they often had to reapply for the hours. And in some instances, we found that people found they were entitled to um, a reduced number of hours uh, to what they ha- would have had previously. Uh, uh, and then for for those living in nursing homes and still living in nursing homes, do they face some of the most severe restrictions in society, Louise? Yes, I think it's really important. Um, and whilst we've had a lot of conversation about nursing homes and the different things that have happened there, it is really important to remember that we asked 
um, primarily our older citizens, but some people under 65 as well who live in nursing homes, to effectively be completely isolated from their families and from their community at large for very long periods, for months at a time. And in some instances, they would even find that they had to stay in their own room and that there there was very little even communal activity within the nursing home. Um, And that impact, I think, not knowing what's actually going on. Is there an outbreak here where I'm living? Do the people round about me, have they been confirmed diagnosis? What's the situation with my family? When will I be able to see people again? That was a really traumatic experience and I think it's really important that we take um, you know, that information on board and the people who were affected in that way are listened to um, as we move forward. Okay, there are two excellent reports, uh, Louise. Well done to everybody involved. But now the lessons have to be learned. I mean, right. what are you doing with these reports? Well, we have published the reports and we have um, circulated them to um, our funders who are the Department of Health and we are an active role on the there's a nursing home expert um, report was published in August of last year and we are involved in supporting the Department of Health regarding the implementation of those recommendations which included a big focus on communication with residents and families and also access to advocacy. So we'll continue to work positively with um, the different departments and different agencies involved to highlight those issues from a service user perspective and push for further improvements. Okay, well done. Well done. Listen, once again, congratulations to Excellent Reports and thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Louise uh, Lachlan and Louise is with the National Advocacy Service for People with uh, Disabilities. It was that group along with the Patient Advocacy Service that came out with uh, both of those reports and I think anyone who had, I, I read through both of the reports, anyone who had a loved one in hospital during the pandemic I think so many people will be able to identify with what has come out in that report but you know as Louise said for the majority of people the experience was good and it was great but just you know for some that communication that trying to find out what's happening to you know maybe an elderly parent who is in hospital. I remember a few weeks ago we spoke with a gentleman God it was heartbreaking about his dad who was in hospital and he was in there for for months, about three months I think in total and they couldn't get through to anybody to see what was happening and when finally they got through it turned out you know the father was almost at end of life. I think he'd about a, I think he died about a week uh, later but they had no way of knowing how unwell their dad was and it was just absolutely heartbreaking and a story that I always think of it featured on one of the news bulletins in sort of the first year of the pandemic, the early kind of early days of it, when nobody was going near and still it's, it's difficult enough to get in to visit a loved one in hospital. But it was a Down syndrome gentleman in his 50s who contracted COVID. And obviously once he contracted COVID, nobody was definitely able to go anywhere near him. And he ended up in ICU and he ended up being very unwell. And it was at end of life. And his mother, who was an elder, lady in her she looked to be in her late 80s maybe early 90s and she ended up having a a kind of a goodbye call with him over FaceTime and you know she said his name and he reacted he heard her voice and it was just and she died he took his last I think he he took a deep breath and then went into um, a very deep sleep and he passed away a few hours later but I just remember the heartbreak of that woman even though he was a man in his 50s but to her the fact he was a downstairs syndrome boy to 
for her he would always be her uh, little boy and it was just heartbreaking for end of life to be like that uh, for that family uh, anyway two very good reports and let's hope something can be learned so they're going forward particularly on that one with the communication and I know hospitals are busy and I know staff uh, are, are busy and it's hard when you're looking after people that you can't be answering the phones all the time but something needs to be put in place if we can't get in to visit our loved ones we need to be able to speak to somebody just to know that they are okay You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Somebody has suggested that this actually could make a nice Christmas gift and it is from the gang in West Cork, the Beekeepers gang in West Cork, Maraid, Michael, Katie and Mary, who signed themselves as living in the Wild West, uh, to say hi uh, Patricia and Peter. Peter Dowd are going to be joining us later on in this hour if you've got questions for Peter. Last year Peter fi- kindly gave a shout out on his gardening slot for the Fastnet Area Beekeepers Association to generate interest in our beginners course. Thank you to you both so much for that it turned out to be very successful even with all of the restrictions congratulations to all those who did the Fastnet Area Beekeepers course last year and the gang are saying would you give it a mention for the 2022 course which is due to start on the 7th of March and they sent me on a link to it and it is the Beekeepers course will be running over four weeks from the 7th of March if you've ever dreamed of being a beekeeper or simply want to know more about these fascinating insects then this is a course for you. So if you go on to the Fastnet Area Beekeepers Association dot net, you'll be able to see on their op- on their front p- their homepage, you'll see the beekeeping course for beginners. You'll be able to click on that and find out more about it. But the gang make the point that it would make a nice Christmas present for somebody and it would. And they have said the next time that they're in Skibbereen, they're going to bring me a jar of honey. And I don't know if that's a bribe or not, but if it is, it's worked. So kind regards to Maraid, Michael, Casey and Amir. And God knows Peter Dowdle has spoken on many occasions on how important bees are for pollination and all of that. And there are a lot of people, I think, you know, gardening, I think, really took off during the pandemic and things like that, keeping hens took off during the pandemic. There's something that people might consider keeping bees. So good luck to everybody. The Fastnet Area Beekeepers Association dot net is their address if you want to go, go on it and uh, find out more about the course and actually when they mentioned that it would make a nice Christmas present it would. Another thing that people often include for Christmas presents are to stick into cards and I certainly I know I do this I do it throughout the year if I'm sending a birthday card or an anniversary card for somebody rather than send an empty card, particularly during the pandemic. Oh, I stuck a few scratch cards in because it might cheer up somebody's day. Always on the hope that the person I'm sending it to might have a little bit of luck. Well, Danny in Hazelwood has been on about an issue that I suppose comes up every now and again on the programme and it is the issue of scratch cards. And he says just lately he has purchased more than his usual amount of scratch cards because he's been giving them to the uh, for, to other people and he's bought a few for himself as well and he said nobody's winning anything on scratch cards anymore he said you're not even getting a fiver on them and he reckons since um, Post stopped operating the National Lottery and the new company took over he's got a sneaking feeling that there isn't as much money given out on the scratch cards and he's wondering are others noticing uh, the same thing I mean there's been a huge debate going on about the lotto overall and particularly this rollover jackpot where it's been stuck at 19 million euro now it's over six months was it June I know we we discussed it on the programme I think June was the last time 
that there was a, a winner in the overall lotto and people starting to say the same thing even though the gang who are now behind the, the National Lottery and it is the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund are the main people who make money out of our lotto which, which is a... People still can't get their heads around. But anyway, they're the investment company that bought out the lottery. Lottery, the government sold it and they sold it so that they could build the children's hospital. How did that go for you, lads? And uh, and it's been sold on and they have this 20-year contract. They say there are terms and conditions that they have to, however amount of money they take in, they have to give out so much money on the other side of it. And they say it is strictly regulated. But anecdotally, the people on the ground feel that they certainly are not winning as much as they did, say, when on post was running the National Lottery. So your thoughts welcomed on that. If, if like Danny and Hazelwood, of late you've bought scratch cards and you're just noticing that you're not having as many wins as maybe you would have had a number of years ago. And I'll let you know, Danny, if you can remind me of it in the new year, because what I always do at Christmas, you know when you're laying out the Christmas the, the nice table, the fancy table and Christmas, the Christmas crackers are always a big thing uh, in our house. I always started this a number of years ago. I put a scratch card with all of the Christmas crackers just to add a little bit of fun uh, after the meal when you're pulling your Christmas cracker you might get it inside in the Christmas cracker or more often than not <laughs> nothing, nothing worth using uh, so the little scratch card in the hope that somebody might win so I'll let you know if anybody around my Christmas table this year Danny wins because I will be buying Chris, uh, scratch cards for that but your thoughts welcomed is Danny right they're just not as much money you're not getting as good a value as you used to get when you're purchasing scratch cards still getting in so many calls for people stuck in Formoy with the motorway closed and I, and I don't have I know people are saying what time is the motorway going to open I don't know we're still waiting on this crane to arrive Marvin said why oh why is it taking so long for that crane to come, come this morning surely one of the crane companies could have left early this morning and been at the bridge in time it's just not good enough at the end of the day we're, we're talking about a main archery that's closed today and the backlog as we heard as we discussed with Sergeant John Kelly we're back to the old days of gridlock to the town of Formoy and I feel from business people in Formoy as well they've got to be affected if the town is virtually a car park today listening to people who are messaging us this morning people stuck on the motorway you've got to get off the motorway you've got to go through Formoy and then go back onto the motorway and start and continue on with your journey but the frustration that is coming in from so many listeners stuck in that traffic jam but Mervyn can't understand because okay the crane over are the truck overturned at some stage yesterday afternoon? I think it was. It was definitely I think when I was I off air. I'm sure I was off air. So it was after after one. Couldn't possibly have sent a crane out yesterday because of what was going on. I appreciate and understand all of that, but he's wondering why is it taking so long for the crane to arrive this morning? And then somebody else who has been stuck in that traffic now over two hours. I, and I don't know if they're still stuck or not because their last message came into us after half past 11 and they were there since half past nine. And this listener is saying, instead of closing the motorway today, did any of the, I'm not using that word, powers that be, think of closing it yesterday so that, and I'm not using that word either, so that, that the driver of that truck wouldn't have ended up causing this havoc. I am been stuck here in this traffic since 9.30. 
And as I say, when that second text came in, it was gone half past 11. That just is so frustrating indeed. And a listener says, Patricia, hi, sorry now, but I have to go to Tallow for work later on. Uh, I'm not able to stay at home. Is the traffic any better? I'm in Kilworth. I'm going to have to go through Fomoy. There's no other route available. Uh, Leave him plenty of time is all I'll say at the moment. We will do our best to see when we find out when the motorway opens as long as the motorway is closed you're going to have this backlog of traffic so it is going to put extra journey time Uh, I don't know how late you can leave it for work to actually leave to head to Tallow but uh, stay listening here to C103 and as soon as we know that the crane has arrived and as soon as we know that the it has been removed and the motorway is open, we will let you know. But as of now, you can expect huge traffic delays for sure. And uh, Tess says, hi, Trish, to the lady who is looking to buy the wick, you know, for the old oil lamp that I'm assuming the lights went out yesterday and they actually used it. Toss says it might be worth trying Toomey's hardware store there in the square in McCroom. They may have those at Wicks. Yeah, a hardware store is probably going to be the best place uh, to try and uh, go to. 1850-333-103. Christy says there seems to be no Christmas bonus for COVID payment recipients through no fault of their own. Uh, many are on half their normal income, says uh, Christy. I'd have to get that checked because I know there's a long list of people who get the Christmas bonus and the Christmas bonus is being paid out this week. I know there was so much disappointment last week when it wasn't paid out because people thought it was going to be paid out last week and it wasn't and so many people were waiting to get the Christmas bonus last year. And is the is the COVID payment not in it? Let me, I'm just doing a quick uh, check because I know all of the various other people who get the Christmas uh, bonus I mean, all of the old age pensioners obviously get it. Deserted wives is in there. The disability allowance get it. Pharmacists get it. Invalidity pension. One parent families get it. Uh, the rural social scheme. No, well, I, I didn't. If you okay, if you're getting job seekers allowance or job seekers benefit or pop. You will qualify for the Christmas bonus if you've been getting your job seekers payment or a combination of qualifying payments for at least 312 days. OK, that's that's where it is. So some people on the PUP payment, Christy, will be getting it, but not ev- not everyone. They have to be on it for at least 312 days. And, you know, they bring up, they do these rules and regulations and they stick rigidly uh, to them. So some people on the COVID payment will be receiving the Christmas bonus, but unfortunately not everyone. 1850. 333103 keep your gardening questions coming in I can see some coming in for Peter keep those coming you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Cronin Electrical Cool Main in Kilbritton they've got a Christmas light display it's on every day from 4pm to 11pm and they're using it to raise funds for the CUH Charity Fund. Donations are available, can be made on site or online at idonate.ie forward slash Christmas lights. And do Hollow Heritage Society are holding a Zoom history talk. It's by Dr. Porrick Og O'Rourke. It's on the Bantir Ambush, The Escape of Bill Shields. It's on tonight at 8. If you want to join, there's still time for you to email do Hollow Heritage 
at gmail.com and the link will be sent to you by email. A Mallow Christmas Market that's going ahead this Friday 9am to 1pm in St James's Church Grounds and the Formoy Farmers Christmas Market will run this weekend. It's on Friday evening between 6 and half past 9 and then on Saturday from 10am to 2pm at Richmond Hill in Formoy. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Number of people who are picking up on the texter who is in Kilworth and needs to go to Tallow for work and needs to go through via Formoy. Uh, Liam says, tell that caller to travel to Tallow from Kilworth to go via Ballyduff. It is practically the same distance and a whole host of people saying the same thing. Uh, I don't know if this is the same advice. Lady coming from Kilworth, she can go to the Amber Garage, go left on the Pike Road, down the Pike Hill, turn left for Lismore and there's a signpost for uh, Tallow on that road and uh, she won't, it'll be, it might be a little bit longer but at least she won't get delayed. I mentioned Danny in Hazelwood on his scratch cards. I'm wondering, is it just he and his family and the people he's buying scratch cards for him? They're winning nothing. Nula in Mallow uh, recently had 17 scratch cards so I'm assuming she got them as a present. She didn't go out and buy 17 scratch cards. She scratched all 17 scratch cards. Very excited. Guess how much she won? Two euro. Two euro out of 17 scratch cards. And Dave, who has been in the traffic backup in Formoy. I'm just looking. Your first text came in at quarter past 10. We're now heading up to half past 12. Dave is still sitting in that uh, traffic. And uh, he said he enjoyed, though, listening to the superstar singing Young Eamon Walsh when I played him as a boy soprano from 10 years ago. So he listened to that. And he also listened with great interest to Sergeant John Kelly talk about the Fomoy traffic and talk about what had happened. The truck had overturned. We're back to the old days of just gridlock through the town of Fomoy. And Sergeant Day, Sergeant John Kelly explained that there was a guard on duty who was directing traffic. Uh, Dave listened with interest to John Kelly and he says, that truck overturned yesterday so the traffic guards had plenty of time to plan. I passed through Fomoy at 8am. There was one guard on traffic duty. He was doing a fine job but really one guard to deal with a major emergency. If traffic as is was diverted through Fomoy then surely a free flow through the town should be in place. Is that not the way uh, to do it? 1850 Somebody says on the lottery tickets, typical Irish moaning. Stop doing the lottery and then they won't have anything to moan about. And hi Patricia this is on the teachers and Craig, Craig who started this discussion earlier this morning reckoning the teachers should either be made to pay back the days that they took off if they didn't do remote learning with their pupils or he'd even suggested that they would go in over the next two weekends so they'd have school on the next two Saturdays in the lead up to Christmas. Hi Patricia I can't believe the greed that has set in to some people. I work with children on school transport and I didn't get paid by the way and I don't get paid when I'm off. I wouldn't take any child on board this morning due to child safety. Have people lost all respect for their children? Will they throw them out under any circumstances just to get them out of the house? How can anyone compare a postman who can do his own risk assessment as he goes along to a child who perhaps is vulnerable and needs safeguarding? Thank God the government 
have enough respect for children to close all of the schools today. And Margaret says, hi, Patricia, I listened to that comment on schools being closed with great interest. The department made the decision to close the schools uh, yesterday at 6pm. Teachers were not given a choice. I've no doubt they were all ready to go to school this morning. I imagine that the department worked on the advice from Met Aaron. They wanted to ensure the health and safety of staff and pupils and parents, says Margaret, who, by the way, she self-declares she is a teacher ready and willing and able to go to work this morning. But it was the department who made the decision, so there was nothing that they could do. And Julie at C103 Cork says, what if there was no electricity or no water supply? What are people suggesting that the schools uh, could do? Because in some, yeah, and the department did say that in fairness, that they were asking the principals to go in and do a risk assessment on the school and because some schools would have been affected, not all, but some schools would have been affected by that. There will be some damage done to some of the uh, schools uh, for sure. 1850 Listen to this email that we received in overnight to Patricia at c103.ie and I'm throwing this out there to see is this reflected and is this happening in other businesses and it is signed by a health care staff member who works with the HSC South. Hi Patricia. I really would appreciate if you would give our issue some airtime. We're a group in the care of the elderly setting working within the HSC South. We've been blessed to have gotten through this who have gotten this far into the pandemic without any of our residents getting COVID. This is in part due to all of the hard work and dedication of all of the staff here. However, we now have a concern. We are being made to use our annual leave if we need to be absent to take one of our children for a PCR test. This surely can't be right, it can't be fair or it can't be just. We take pride in keeping our residents safe and to do so we need to be vigilant in our home lives too. We shouldn't be punished and lose our annual leave for any COVID-related issue. We would love to hear the experiences and the opinions of other healthcare workers from all settings. Is this policy right throughout the HSC? So our question is, should we be penalised and lose our annual leave for taking our family members for a PCR test to ensure the safety of everyone? Kind regards. And that's uh, healthcare staff at the HSE South. And that's a first for me. I certainly hadn't heard about that before, but is that right across all other healthcare settings? And let's broaden it out. Is it across all workplaces. I I certainly can speak for I work here at the radio and when any of us have had to either ourselves go for PCR tests or take a family member for PCR tests. It's all about keeping us safe, but it's also very much about keeping the other staff members safe. I mean, it's one of the reasons if you're a close contact, the, the company have always said from day one, if you're a close contact of a family member, then you stay at home. Even when the, the advice coming was, if you were a close contact and doubly vaccinated, you could still go about your business. Our company was saying, no, you work... For 
if you can work from home, work from home. And if you can't work from home, then you stay at home until you're safe to come back because it's to protect everybody else in within the organisation as well. And certainly there's never been, ever been a mention of paying back time, never been a mention of it being taken out of annual leave. So, so no, I, I haven't heard about that uh, b- uh, before. But let's see, maybe it is across, maybe because we're almost now two years into this pandemic. Uh, maybe they're changing the goalposts and they're changing the rules uh, a little bit. And my heart would go out to anyone who has particularly primary school children at the moment because there are so many cases of COVID-19 now. Our high, the highest proportion of COVID cases are in the 5 to 11-year-olds, the unvaccinated uh, children. And then even if they're not, if it isn't a COVID case, if they get any kind of a cough, a cold or a sniffle, and there's so many of those viruses during the rounds at the moment, parents are doing the right thing. They're taking children forward for PCR tests. So t- to me, it seems a bit mean-spirited. It's not that you're taking two weeks off. It's somebody taking a day, a half day off to bring a child in for a PCR uh, test. So we'll give it out to see, as I say, don't know if it's happening, if that's widespread. Is it across the board, particularly in other healthcare settings? But as I say, I'm opening it up to private sectors as well. If you have a family member, a child we're talking about here, that you have to bring, you can't send the child off themselves for a PCR test. Are you being forced to take either unpaid leave or worse been forced to take your annual leave and the annual leave for all of us. We count those days. They're very, very precious indeed. Your thoughts welcomed on that, please. 1850-333-103. Now, C103, we are giving away super value gift cards. Uh, in total, €5,000 has been given away across last week and uh, this week we've got three days left. Your chance to have your Christmas covered thanks to C103. Today you've got a chance to win a voucher worth €500. Euro. Nine o'clock this morning. Ken Tobin played out the bells. I saw somebody sent in a WhatsApp saying, could we play out the bells again? Because they didn't have electricity. Oh, they obviously didn't have a transistor radio with the batteries. And I can't because I don't have them. Those bells belong to Ken and Ken alone. And so I don't know where the bells are and I can't play out Ken's bells. But anyway, hopefully other people counted the bells that Ken played at nine. Nick will do it again at two. Martina does it again at five. You add up the total from the three sessions of bell radio and then after five Martina will tell you when to text our uh, WhatsApp with the amount that you counted for today and when you do that you're in with a chance to win a 500 euro uh, voucher this is what happened yesterday with Chloe in Glengariff um 10 bells okay let's see if you are right (laughs) yes you are correct (laughs) 10 bells it was were you listening all day taking note Yes, yes, yes I was. Good stuff. <laughs> Come here, what's the weather like there? Pretty bad here, all right, yeah. You all safe and well? All safe. Do you have a big family who's going to be around the table on Christmas Day? Yes, yeah, so there's, usually we just kind of do it ourselves, there's six of us. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy. And Thank thanks you. for listening to C103. Thank you. Thank All you right. so much. Well done, Chloe in Glengariff has €500 Euro now. She's got her Christmas uh, covered uh, thanks to C103 Christmas covered with Super Value gift cards. And they're perfect for every occasion. They're available in store or as an e-gift card that can be sent with a personal message. You simply search Super Value gift cards. But you 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Need to across the rest of this week be listening at 9am, 2pm and 5pm to win only on C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And before we go to Peter with all the gardening advice, let me go to line one where Joe ha- from Mitchellstown has been going around the houses trying to get a booster shot for COVID-19. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, okay, you're stuck in traffic, by the way. Are you at the moment with the with what's going on in Formoy? I am, yeah. Okay. I thought I was going to, to head to um, the Bantry down to a centre there to get a booster shot. That's because I, I had... I was unsec- unsuccessful in the two chemists that I was trying here with the last week and a half. <clears throat> so I, I decided, um, I rang them this morning, the two chemists, and they said, no, there wasn't anything available until, until next week. But uh, I have something on um, uh, the Killary, um Christmas Fair is on the weekend, and I have a stand there. So I was anxious to get a booster shot, saying that I'm... I'm uh, I'm over six. I'm 65 and underlying conditions, so I wasn't happy, uh, you know, attending it without a booster shot. Um, so when I rang it this morning, it would be next, at least next week. So I decided then to go online to uh, see what was available for a walk-in booster. So City Hall, it just said that um, there was they were not doing it today. Uh, it didn't say when they were doing it. And the only other centre in Cork was down in Bantry, uh, primary care. So there was no phone number for him to ring them. So I decided uh, to go anyway. So I headed off on my journey. I didn't get too far because just came off the motorway from Mitchellstown and uh, I started onto the motorway in Mitchellstown and stuck in all this traffic. Um, so while I was stuck in traffic, I decided to ring the HSE, no had a number. And lo and behold, they couldn't tell me when City Hall would be available again, just to keep checking online. And then when I asked them about Bantry, they had no number for the centre in Bantry, so she couldn't tell me. The HSE had no number for the vaccination centre in Bantry? Correct. The HSE? 
HSE, yes. Who, who, run, the va- who run the vaccination centre in Bantry? I know, I know. It was, I, you know, and I even, I looked it, I looked it up again there online uh, while I was waiting and you know that I miss anything, or the, the young lady miss anything. She was very helpful. Well, she, she, there was no information, but she was a nice, nice, pleasant girl. It's not her fault. Um, it's just that uh, she had no, she had no way of contacting the HSE, and and even it's, it's it, they say on the website it's the primary care centre in Bantry. Yeah, that's ju- that's ju- I, that's just where they're they're doing it's they're it's where doing they're doing it, their yeah. vaccinations. Yeah, I even rang I even rang a, a, a doctor's centre into the. A, some, some a, a similar name because I thought it was, I, I thought it was that the centre I was getting onto, but it wasn't. It was the doctor surgery, and they even tried in Bantry. They tried to get a number, a contact number for them because I said I was travelling from Mitchellstown, and I didn't want to go that that journey, particularly with the way the weather has been. And uh, they had no contact number, or they had no way of getting any any um. Anyway, in contact with them either. So yeah, but but you were going there not even knowing if they were doing a walk-in uh, today, Joe. Yeah, well, I that's why I said, look, it's a long way. It's a long way to go um, with, without knowing. Now, luckily, while again while I was stuck in traffic, um, Walsh's uh, uh, pharmacy in Formoy rang me and said they had a cancellation this <laughs> afternoon oh, at four God. o'clock, and I just said to them, "Well, I hope I'd be able to get there." Uh, you will, you will. I travelled. I travelled um, um, about less than two hundred meters in about a half an hour now, oh, and I can't understand. I I can't understand why they didn't they didn't block off the the dual carriageway. Uh, I only found out about it when I when I came across the traffic, and I had turned on the radio and I heard yourself being at it, and but I heard that some chap has been stuck in traffic since. 10 o'clock, I just couldn't believe it. Well, got, I've even got a better one. I've got somebody stuck in traffic since half nine. Oh, my God. Yeah, listen, ho- the crane is on the way uh, and hopefully right. once the crane <coughs> arrives and they remove that overturned high-sided vehicle from yesterday, motorway will reopen and there is a guard there directing traffic and all of that. But listen, you're going to get your booster and that's the most important thing and well well done to the chemist uh, for helping yes, you yes. out. Okay. Yes, all right, yes, drive indeed. drive safely and hopefully that traffic will move uh, quicker for you, Joe. Thanks for that. Lovely, thank you. Thanks uh, for joining us, uh, 1850 People so desperate to get their boosters. That's what annoyed me yesterday when I heard the Taoiseach saying people aren't turning up. It's not that people are not turning up. It's the way the system is operating. People are getting their boosters somewhere else and they're still getting appointments and it's hard to cancel the appointments. That's what's happened. Enough of my ranting. Let me go to Peter Dowdle who's uh, who's on the other line. Good morning to you, Peter. Unlike you to rant, Trish. Ah, is it not? Uh, you're very on welcome. On air anyway. Uh, on, air, on air anyway. <laughs> Listen to me. We all survived Storm Barrett, thank God. But a number of people saying, you know, trees damaged and, and looking around the garden today and debris all over the place. It's important that you really do look at trees that may have, may have been damaged yesterday. Yeah, well, I think I think the bulk of us, obviously not everybody, and speaking for myself only, um, we've got away pretty much scot-free. Yes, a lot of debris and, and things blown around the garden. Um, but yeah, and I, I'm, I, we're always saying it at this time of the year, Trish, to, to have a look at things that would, are potentially hazardous, like overhanging branches and trees, and get a tree surgeon in to take preemptive action. As a, you know, if the storm Barra, or whichever storm is next, will be far less thoughtful of your car or your house when it's taking down a limb of a tree than a tree surgeon will. So if you do it in a controlled manner yourself, 
grand. You might, in fact, I was having this chat with Dahi on the Today Show a couple of, or the Today Show a couple of weeks back, and he was like, "God, it's expensive though to get a tree surgeon." And I said, "Well, it's more expensive to fix a fix a car or fix a house." Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it's good advice now to, to before the next storm comes, have a look at anything which is potentially dangerous. And I mean, we're talking. I'm talking, of course, about um, you know potential damage to property, but that's not to mention potential damage to to human life. You know, so you you do take action in advance of the next storm. Okay, and then any of the debris that's uh, just just gather it up and put it into the compost bin. Yeah, well, an awful lot of it can be composted. And, and another simple thing, and I know we've seen the pictures, I mean, a lot of us maybe laughed at them over the last 24 hours of trampolines here and there and everywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm still at the trampoline stage, and we, but just taking down the net, take down the net of your trampoline and there's far less wind resistance then to, to, to and it's only a five minute job before the storm uh, and it stops you running down the road after it so just simple things in the garden that we can take because these storms whether we like it or not and whatever the reason um, are, are, are a thing of the future Yeah they're with us to stay uh, for sure Okay straight to questions Mary says uh, Hi Patricia question for Peter please uh, Sorry to make him repeat himself but could he repeat the products for treating and preventing moss growth on tarmac I wrote down the names of both when Peter mentioned them previously but then I can't find the piece of paper where I wrote them down <laughs> okay so, I know that feeling yeah. I know that feeling to, to for, well, no, problem, no, no, no problem repeating myself and I think that the product when I say I'm repeating myself I'm also going from memory and I'm not 100% certain but I'm fairly sure it's Algon is the Irish product uh, which again to the best of my knowledge is an organic and environmentally sound product to use on moss very very effective the reason i know it's very very effective is because i've used it but the the, the, the my, my hesitancy is on the name but i'm pretty because there's so many of them in the market but i'm pretty sure it's algon is the irish one and it's an environmentally sound one uh, and then when you have the mask are cleaned uh, use the Moscow, which is another Irish one, Moscow probiotic. It's important that you use the probiotic because that's the environmentally sound one. But what that does is it's not it's not the best product to kill the moss. But when you have it clean, uh, put that on and it helps to prevent it coming back for quite a while. Now, nothing is magic in this regard. We live in a warm and damp climate, so moss will have come back. But I have found by using the Moscow probiotic on on a clean surface, it does keep it clean for, you know, six to 12 months anyway. Okay, and the thing is, while it looks unsightly, it can also be very slippy if you've got moss on tarmac oh, or in a driveway. It, it can be, it, yeah, it can be very lethal. Yeah. lethal yeah. yeah, hi Peter, is it okay to cut or trim back apple, plum and pear trees and is now the right time to do it? It's all right to trim them all back, yes, of course, and, and to even give them harder prunings. Is now the right time to do it? Yes, for some of them. So apple is fine to do now. Pear is okay to do now. But plum, I would leave it till kind of midsummer because plum is susceptible to a thing called silver leaf, a, a, a fungal infection. Uh, so it's better off. It's, it's very the long story. But um, I would, in fact, probably the pear and the plum, I would leave off till uh, late summer. Okay, and Breetha has a 10-year-old beech tree that she wants to transplant to another part of the garden. Are we at the right time of the year for that? You are at the right time of the year. So it's any time now during the winter when the plant is dormant. So the, the cold temperatures are our friend in this situation because we want the plant to be to be fast asleep for the winter, if you like. However, with any 10-year-old uh, tree, there is going to be a substantial risk in moving it, that it, that it, it, whether or not it'll survive. Uh, but all you can do, the only advice I can give you is get as big a root ball as possible, as is practical. So as much of the root system out of the ground as possible. Cut back the tree. I would say, you know, I, 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 I can't see it, obviously. I haven't seen it, but cut it back quite hard. You can go as much as 50%. Because when you take that, that root ball out of the ground, it's inevitable that you're going to cause root damage. 
So to counteract that, uh, cut back what's over the ground as well. And it'll minimise, it won't eliminate, but it will minimise the damage caused or the effects of the root, the root damage uh, and get it into its new home straight away. Don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time. So have the new hole dug for it, if you like, uh, take it out of the ground into the new home and then come next spring <clears throat> when we're in, facing into a, a glorious warm, dry summer, give it plenty, plenty of water. Okay, a listener sent on a picture. It's just come in by WhatsApp, so I can't get it on to you now, but it's it's a fir tree. Uh, it looks like a Christmas tree that I imagine at one stage might have been used as a Christmas tree in the house and was transplanted into the garden. You know, it might have been like a living tree. It isn't a very full yes. tree, but it's very tall and it's well above the house. And the listener says, I was terrified last night as this tree was rocking very badly. It's in poor soil and it is it's it's planted on a slope I would hate having to cut it down but the fact it was rocking so much last night would Peter suggest cutting it down I wouldn't suggest cutting it down without having seen it or anything like that just just hearing the question uh, on the radio but without question yeah it, it, apropos of what we were talking about at the start of the piece get somebody to have a look at it get a, get a, a, a qualified tree surgeon somebody who knows what they're talking about to have a look at it and to give you a professional opinion on it I couldn't even if I saw the photograph I couldn't give a proper opinion w- without looking at it but yeah I mean there also there, there also has to be a degree of common sense in it in other words if it's going to fall and if it's at risk of falling onto your house with common sense has to take over as well yeah, but in the first is, instance it is get, very, a, get a good yeah, tree surgeon it's, it's right beside uh, the house and, and but there was a lot of trees looked like they were bending over yesterday but trees can in the main be quite sturdy well the majority I suppose 99.9% of our trees stood up to Ophelia and stood up to this uh, Barra because you know, trees are designed perfectly in nature from an aerodynamic point of view, Trish, that they'll, 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 they'll take any amount of, of wind. But the, thing, the things that are important to, to when planting them are, number one, obviously, it's a bit too late for this, this caller, but you don't plant something too close to your house mm-hmm. um, or to, too close to pipes. Uh, but also, when you're planting it, I can't overstate this enough, the most, one of the most important things that you're doing when you're planting is, is staking it. You stake it, and the stake isn't for decoration. I, I kind of see tree stakes nearly put in as an afterthought on a loose tie put around them. The reason you're staking a tree when you're planting it is to make sure that root ball gets good anchorage in the soil. It really, because you can't fix it in 10 years' time. It's when you plant it, that's when you've got to make sure it's anchoring into the ground properly, um, make sure it's far enough away from the house. And always bear in mind the overall height of the tree uh, when you're planting it. Uh, but but, but to, to go back to what you said, like most trees will cope with any amount of wind. They'll let the wind through, provided there's not a kind of foreign body like ivy or something like that growing through it, which offers more wind resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, and let's do the research before you plant the actual tree, because how often do we hear that? I didn't realise it was going to grow uh, so tall. OK, yeah. as always, uh, Peter, a pleasure. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will indeed. Thanks for that. That is uh, Peter Dowdle of the IrishGardener.com. I'm just being told that the motorway in Formoy is about to reopen. Happy days. Happy days. So for all of those people that hopefully we've kept company throughout the morning, your end is in sight and you can continue on on your journey. Travel safely, folks. OK, that's where we have to wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. He'll be ringing the bells again at uh, two o'clock for your Christmas cover. So write it down. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the 9. Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Stay safe. Court today on 
on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 